The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello and welcome to Media Talk. I'm Hugh Muir for John Plunkett for your roundup of the biggest media stories of the week. Coming up, more people think the BBC is biased to the left of the political spectrum. But is there anything they can do about it? Radio 1 looks set to become Video 1. Matt Deegan takes us through their new strategy. And a regional publisher is to launch The People's Paper with 75% of the content written by the public. Can that work? This is Media Talk from The Guardian. So the hacking trial of top people at the former News International is underway. The prosecution set out its case, as has Andy Coulson's defence. Uh, there'll be six months of this, and we'll get stuck into that next week. But uh, let's turn to our guests. Uh, first of all, Liz Howell, um, Director of Broadcasting at City University and Creative Director of Folder Media. Uh, Matt Deegan, they're both here. Thanks for coming in. Hello. Um, tell me about your media weeks this week. Oh, very interesting. I've just been uh, interviewed by a German um, television station about the hacking and... Uh, also press regulation and uh, I can only describe as astonishment the way they view what's going on in the in the British press at the moment the confusion not knowing what regulation will come of it what Leveson was really all about quite frankly trying to, to respond to their questions left me feeling quite tangled up as well it's a it's a very difficult web that's being woven or unpicked or whatever what did you learn from them how do they do it well they've got a much more regional setup I mean like a lot of things in Germany it's a more federal system anyway and they've also got a what he described as a fairly toothless uh, press regulator, and uh, he said that um, big papers like um, Das Bild, for example, or is it just Bild, they have a, a huge slush, slush fund so that when they do have to compensate people, they, they pay out of that. And presumably there, whatever the system, there just isn't that anger, the public anger that fuels what's the, happening the, here. Uh, there's certainly no German version of hack it off. <laughs> hack okay, it off man. Uh, it was interesting, I was looking in one day in the papers this week about um, the Brits who's now running NBC News and signing uh, big checks. Deborah Turness. Yes. yes. From ITN. Uh, signing big checks um, for exclusive stories, particularly for Sweeps Week. I think she paid about $100,000 for uh, an air crash uh, and some skydivers and sort of signed up all those people. And everyone's saying, this is quite different in America, we don't normally do this. And ABC saying, we don't do this at ABC. Then the next day, BuzzFeed just turned that video into an animated GIF and put it on the... <laughs> <laughs> on their page, I thought, uh, if that's not enough change just within a couple of days, well, it, it is, really well, no is a changing change world. In the, in the, she's not made any change out of that. Yeah. So she did it once, but they will probably, given what happened, probably never do it again. Just go straight to the cartoonist instead. Indeed. But hang on a minute. What, what is the situation with BuzzFeed? Because if it's exclusive rights, is she then, or sorry, is ABC entitled to, to sue? NBC. Sorry, NBC entitled to sue? Because this is, this is so interesting. This whole issue of rights and who owns what in the YouTube era, it makes it very, very difficult. And it's difficult to pick up. It's like Twitter. You know, people can libel on Twitter, but they have to be found and they have to be punished. And what are the sanctions and how do you get to them? And it's the same with rights now all the time. But also think with that BuzzFeed story, um, if they send a cease and desist and they take it off, they've had their day. They've had their day when it's the peak and it's been shared and yeah, it's done right. a couple hundred million page views or whatever and then you're done. 
So, a new departure for American broadcasters, perhaps. Let's talk about British broadcasters, because you may remember that uh, from last week's programme that the BBC was under fire from Tory chairman Grant Shapps over political bias. And this week, there was a poll which suggests that he might have a point. The results released in The Observer suggested that 27% of voters believe the BBC leans to the left, while 14% think it favours the right. Overall, 37% think the corporation is neutral in its reporting. Matt, Does this make any sense? Can a corporation with almost 20,000 staff lean in any particular political direction? I I think those figures are interesting, isn't it? You know, it goes a little bit one way, but there's a lot of people that think it's... More people think it's left-wing, right-wing or centrist than do think it's left-wing. And the the BBC were saying the other week, weren't they, that every government has always got in touch and said its uh, reporting is biased, yeah, mainly biased against uh, government's opinion rather than which Mm. political party Mm. you're in. I think it's useful, particularly for the right-wing papers, to jump on. It's very difficult, actually, within the BBC, I think, to to show that bias. It doesn't help, I suppose, when you have senior people who almost kind of do that mea culpa interview, well, I suppose we were a bit lefty, really. I think one of the problems with the BBC is that that, that mea culpa is always couched in very smug terms, and I think that's one of the things that, that irritates people enormously about the BBC. There is quite a strong intellectual argument for saying that the BBC should not have this um, overriding desire to be neutral or to be neutral, and that pockets in various areas can take stances on things. For example, you know, a local radio station could have a different view, perhaps in Wiltshire, from in um, Halifax about issues, say, to do with the, na- the National Health Service. The, the idea that the BBC's got to be Objective, even-handed, comes from the fact that we all pay the licence fee. But there's something I think many people are now finding rather difficult about this idea of one-size-fits-all, completely bland, we have one BBC brand across the whole area, news. And that there isn't enough, as it were, diversity within the news, both in terms of balance and in terms of coverage. I personally find this idea that, you hear it a lot now, they told the BBC. It's, mm. a, it's a relatively new formula that the BBC uses to sort of BBC brand things. And precisely as you Usually said, it means you, it's six months old. Yeah, well, I, that's a bit, bit cruel. But, you know, you, you hear it quite a lot. They told the BBC or whatever. And in, in fact, exactly as you said, when you've got 25,000 employees and vastly different newsrooms in vastly different places, to expect it to have the same ethos right through like a stick of rock... You know, it's it's difficult. Having said that, departing from it's also difficult. But we're in a very interesting intellectual place with the BBC and what it does and where it goes. The other point I'd like to make is that I think there's a real crisis about the licence fee. And The Telegraph also uh, ran, I think, an article about um, many people now saying that they don't believe that the BBC licence fee should be increased in relation to inflation at the next charter renewal round. And more and more people now are using iPlayer, and the BBC is making that easier for them because of their increased investment in technology. And more and more people are getting their news from other sources. So I think that by the time we get to 2015, there is going to be a mammoth crisis about paying the licence fee. If people won't pay the licence fee, or more importantly, if they resent paying the licence fee so other people can get their news through YouTube or the phone, then we're going to have a very big crisis about what the BBC is for. Matt, is the BBC management uh, in fit enough shape to fight all this off? The people who say, I don't want to pay the licence fee, and those people who say, we just don't support you, don't trust you because we think you're biased? Uh, the, the, one of the, the lucky things to the BBC is they take a massively long-term view on all of these, on all of these things. They have lots of strategists uh, and policy people to constantly work on this stuff, and we're, do, we're doing some things about radio switchover at the moment, and you you can see 
the positioning that they have um, because they have the time and the resources uh, to do this stuff. So I'm sure if you ask people 20 years ago, would you rather not pay the licence fee? Most people would say, yes, I'd rather not pay a compulsory tax to get television. Um, So I'm not sure whether that's them saying they don't like the BBC. That's not actually true. I mean, in in previous polls, people have said that they would pay the licence fee. They might not want to pay quite so much, but they, they have generally... It's not so much being happy with the licence fee, but they can't think of a better system. But I do detect now a real change in the way people are thinking about it. And I do know exactly what you say about strategists and people working away at the BBC. But strategy, you know, events come from nowhere. Mm. Things happen from nowhere. And you can have all your strategists sitting there talking, you know, pining till they're blue in the face. And then something like YouTube comes along. I think they're in a really, really tough position. Well, staying with the BBC in a kind of tangential fashion, because the, we're talking about the Andrew Marr show. And Maria Miller was on the Andrew Marr show on Sunday. And she seemed to encourage encourage uh, our newspapers to set up uh, their own self-regulating body despite the fact that the government has now passed its charter she seems to be moving in, in moving them in that direction let's hear a clip from her i think the most important thing that happens now and is happening i think very well is for the press to go forward with their own self-regulatory body but it can't be self-regulatory it can't that. be self-regulatory if it's a body they won't join can it well, the body they're setting up is for them to set up. Um, it's Are for you them to about that just to go ahead and happen and see how that goes. Well, it, uh, self-regulation has to be that. It has to be determined by the industry. The industry is setting up their own self-regulatory body. Really, the only role of the government in this was to oversee the traffic of the uh, the royal charter being put in place, which is a set of principles that will guide that. I think what it is for them is for the industry now is to set up that self-regulatory body. Liz, what do you detect from that? Do you think the government is softening its, its position? Yeah, it does seem to be. I, I, I think it's really, as my German interviewer said this morning, really very messy and difficult to understand. I personally feel that journalists, and I am one, have really disgraced themselves in the last decade since the absolute scramble for readership began and the terror of declining revenues. And I think that they have wrecked people's lives. And I'm not talking here about celebrities who, you know, live by the pen and die by the pen or whatever. I'm talking about ordinary people who get involved in the news and whose lives are made a misery by these people who have, in fact, broken the law in lots of ways, even if it's, you know, trespassing in your garden. It happened to me once because I was at the centre of a story and people were literally, you know, camping outside my house and throwing their litter in my garden and whatever. And what they certainly that? weren't going all that far away to go to the loo. What was that like? Though? It was horrible. Many, most of us have never had it's that. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, we had to climb over the garden fence and go down the path. And, you know, it upset my parents. It upset my daughter, who was very little at the time. It was absolutely horrible. And we got through it and it wasn't a very big story anyway. But, you know, for a day, you, you, you feel like an absolute pariah and it's horrible. And I have to say, one of the nastiest articles that was ever written about me appeared in, in The Guardian So, and, and the difficulty is you, you are left relatively powerless because it's not libel as such it's unpleasant adjectives or it's mistaken descriptions of your behaviour you, you know for example this is a minor one but I was described as striding into a certain place and making an announcement in a very bossy way which is sexist too. In fact I wasn't striding in, I was already in there and I didn't make the announcement, somebody else made the announcement but you can't go to law over that but it still makes completely a complete completely different picture of you. And does that colour your view now of regulation and what's needed? Of course it does. You have to speak as you find. And I also would like to say that the, the television and radio industry has been regulated in this country forever, and that hasn't stopped some fantastic investigative reporting. If investigative reporting in TV and radio is going downhill now, or not as apparent, that is to do with fashion and it's to do with the money. It is not to do with regulation. There's been some wonderful stuff in the press. I mean, even recently, that the Times' work on grooming gangs and on adoption, for example. 
example, fantastic stuff, but it can still be done in a regulated environment. And if the journalists break the law and are not punished by the law of the land, there needs to be another level. And the fact that we now have a royal charter and they're all just saying, duh, not interested, walk away from that, I don't get it. I really don't. But Matt, that's a mess, isn't it? Because the government have gone through all of this, they have that royal charter, and as Liz said, people are just saying, you can have your charter, we just won't join. Well, the the, the government have kind of bent over backwards to uh, placate the press. You know, nobody particularly wanted a royal charter, but it, it was like an option to try and uh, to try and bring them bring them in and have them not lose face. So, and again, Maria Miller in that in that clip, you know, again, the government are somewhat bowing to the press to try and come up with with a solution. But that's think, because it's such a mess. I mean, uh, they do fight, need a, a way out of this now. Uh, well, I think everyone. I think I think every, I think everyone needs needs a way out. But also, I think that. If you look at what the public believe, you know, the public do back what Leveson said and they do back Hacked Off uh, and their readers of those papers back those things. It is, it is really interesting and I think we're all culpable because we all read the papers and I think there is a sort of corporate sort of guilty feeling doing the rounds. But I, I would say that my sense of, of people out there is that they think, you know, this has got to stop. Let's turn our attention to radio now, in particular Radio 1, because uh, controller Ben Cooper has responded to the station's audience decline with the strategy known as Listen, Watch, Share. Listen with Mother, isn't it? One of those early television programmes. Matt, you're our radio expert. Take us through, what does it all mean? Well, Listen, Watch, Share has been a a Radio 1 mantra kind of internally for a a good year, 18 months now. Uh, and And it's this idea that the thing about young audiences is they still listen to quite a lot of radio, just not the volume that they used to. And what Ben Cooper wants to do is, yes, encourage people to listen, but also make their content available in visual form, but also in shareable form. So if there's a good interview or a good live lounge session, uh, that that's filmed and then is a kind of media that people can then share to their friends. And so there is something about reach. You know, historically, mm. reach was just tuning in to Radio 1 on FM uh, and listening to some programs. But as reach broadens to seeing that on YouTube or seeing that uh, on iPlayer or on digital TV or DAB or the internet, um, he wants to be able to encompass all of those things and taking uh, the access and the content they have that's traditionally been radio and putting it in visualised form helps them do that. No, I know, you know, hands up, I know I'm, I'm an old git, but televised radio is really boring, isn't it's it, Liz? It's awful, it's awful. I, I radio looks terrible on telly. I mean, look at us, look at us here now. What sort of set would this make? What sort of picture would it make? We're, I feel terrible. We're, we're, you're You've dead got your big scuzzy headphones on, you know. So we've worked with, lo- we work with loads of radio stations on different websites um, at Folder and webcams uh, come like massively high up. People do want... Oh. Want to have hey. They do want to watch, they do want to look in, um, but also, especially if you talk to younger audiences, so now pretty much on Radio 1, if you have a celebrity interview, mm. uh, they press a button in the studio and then it streams that live on the website. The vast majority of people who are in front of a screen, and that might be a mobile phone screen mm. or it'd be a computer screen, um, do want that extra environment. Um, it's not about streaming the whole of the Greg James show, it's about finding those elements yeah, that really lovely. engage. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that, that, that again, is that this listen, watch, share idea. You know, it's about sharing bits of content. Yeah, you because know. when you've got something like you know MTV and fabulous pop videos and all that stuff, there is no way visually that radio is going to compete with that. But if it's little headline bits, or if it's about that celebrity with the scuzzy headphones on, then maybe it'll work. But I don't think it's the, the answer to everything. Matt, very quickly, I tell us about... I don't think it's necessarily the answer to everything. 
think, but with a, an audience that live in their phones, a huge amount. And even if you just think about about your day, and Ben Cooper talks about this, you know, when you wake up, what's the first thing that you touch? It's probably your phone as, yeah, you, as you check true. email and you check Twitter. Uh, whereas in the past, it would have been the radio. Now, radio is still in the kitchen or it's still in the bathroom in the morning. Uh, but suddenly there are different touch points. And as a media company that speaks to young people, which actually is what Radio 1 is, uh, it's got to do that uh, across all of the screens and be that audio or video. Lord Hall added his support to plans for more video and added a few of his own, such as using Radio 1 brands like Newsbeat on BBC Three. Do you you see that as taking off? Newsbeat's a great show. Yeah, it could do. Who knows? You know, try anything. And that's the great thing about the BBC. They've got lots of platforms, lots of possibilities. They can take a risk. Give it a go. I mean, also, it's interesting if you look at uh, what the BBC are doing with Nick Grimshaw. You know, that's that's still a development breakfast show. I think he is the right person uh, and he uh, is of interest to that audience but now they're using him on the teen awards uh, presenting children in need and building him into a proper youth star and uh, has a bbc3 um, a panel show as well i think bbc3 would get more value out of connections with radio one yeah, if they go down that a really route. good point i think the idea of the old the guy in the radio studio you know just talking into a black disc um, listening to the sound of his own voice, though, those days are certainly gone. Can I just say one thing, though, and it is a bit of a soapbox for me. There are far too many men on radio. The men dominate the airwaves. We don't have enough women. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of people get, you know, feel pissed off about it, really. They don't want to listen all the time to, to, to men going on and on and on. OK, we'll uh, leave it there. Go off and get made up and some more stories after this. OK, let's tackle some of the other news stories in brief. First off, Johnson Press has announced that its Lincolnshire title, The Local, will be reinvented with 75% of its articles coming from the local community. User-generated content currently stands at about 25%. Codenamed The Born Experiment, the paid-for paper will be known as The People's Paper. Matt, would you run off by the people's paper? I think, number one, great that um, a media organisation is doing a pilot and trying something different. You know, this is um, a sector that's obviously been in decline. Local press is very difficult. Yes, it should absolutely have a go at doing something else. The other thing, I think, is uh, what sells papers? Well, people in them tends to sell it to those people themselves. Mm. Uh, If suddenly you up it to 75% more stories from people, people's blog posts being repurposed, pictures being repurposed, I think a lot of people are going to buy that paper because people still are excited about it appearing in it it would almost change what we expect from a paper though wouldn't it because they won't necessarily write papers the way that we might write them that you know it, we like to see ourselves as professionals and we have a, a particular way that we write them and so people might ex- you might have to expect a different sort of service from your local paper i would say that already exists i think there's probably less in common between the local paper in lincoln and the guardian than you might think if you're you've got a sort of rosy view of journalism ac- across the board there are concerns about this i think it sounds exciting but as a journalism lecturer I have found, you know, with students coming along, they're really bright, they really want to get involved in journalism. But at the beginning of term, around this time of year, there's the endless problem about them going out and doing the wrong thing, getting complaints, potential libels, all of this stuff. In a funny sort of way, the more user-generated content you've got, the more editors you need, principally because of things like legal problems or because of inaccuracies and and Mm -hmm. so on. So I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work. Also, it's not that new, you know. The, the Scottish papers, particularly the People's Friend is the one I'm thinking of. It's not a paper, it's a magazine. But it was completely based on the idea of people writing in with their tips and their stories. And lots and lots of magazines have a phenomenal amount of user-generated content. The other problem is, how do you check its news? 
what's news to me might not be news to you. And what I want to say about my neighbour might not be what everybody should read. You know, it's that, Well, that was my dangerous. point. It, it does end up, or it could end up, being much more parochial than what we're used to. It could to. A, be parochial, and it could B, be very nasty. Well, indeed. and well, uh, Parochial can be a, a, an interesting market, though. I mean, this is this is the other this is the other thing. You know, if you go the, the niche you go, sometimes that can actually generate more audience. I mean, I think about uh, I consume quite a lot of Twitter day to day, and and that combines things from my friends, things that are retweeted that are quality that might be from media or other individuals, and I follow some regular media accounts as well. I mean, that I'm, that's I'm, kind of my my uh, the collage that comes through my phone is perhaps an aim that they're they're pushing for with this. Well, I'm going to stick my neck out here, but I have a feeling that. In five years' time, there won't be anything like as much Twitter. I, I actually feel that Twitter oh, is... Have a, to come back that's in five years. Oh, that, that's that's just right. Sorry, I get the in five years. No, I don't do Twitter. I, I don't feel I miss out because I don't do Twitter. Uh, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a big assumption, isn't it? Yeah, of course. So might miss out. W- what I would challenge you to do is to follow 100 people for a week. So oh, if you still have the same view. I don't want to. <laughs> no. We'll make you do it and we'll make no. you come back and tell us what happens. It's you, a he- rule. you heard it here first, the prediction of the fall of Twitter. Uh, but let's move on from something that's uh, very local to something that's very national, even international. Uh, the, the battle between Strictly Come Dancing and The X Factor. Strictly has moved even further ahead of the X Factor, averaging about 10 million against ITV's 8 million viewers on the Saturday show. Sunday's results were very similar and Strictly has increased its share year on year, unlike Simon Cowell's programme. Is it possible to feel sorry for Simon Cowell? I'm not sure. Uh, Liz, do you? No, I don't feel sorry for Simon. No, I, I don't know. I like Strictly very much. I think it's incredibly glossy. It's done very clever things with the celebs. It's got an incredibly interesting cross-generational feel to it, which I don't get from the X Factor. The X Factor is really about a lot of young people standing up and bawling and it's great you know great fun but what I like about Strictly is it's got gloss it's got sophistication I watch it with my daughter I can watch it with my more elderly relatives everybody loves it you know I think I think what's happened with it is uh, it started very much I think it started off that um, X Factor was incredibly slick really well produced and quite differently produced to a lot of entertainment telly and Strictly has in, in fact adopted some of those things as lots of TV shows have adopted those elements but I think things that Strictly has more than X Factor does and this is something X Factor used to have is fun um, X Factor used to be fun yeah, you know, those joke right. acts and all of those things and, and with Strictly because you have a range of contestants some of which survive based on uh, the, the will of the public having yeah, a laugh uh, and that's the same that used to happen with X Factor and I think actually X Factor with the judges and with the contestants has got more serious it has and it's got crueler and actually in the end it's like the Great British Bake Off we mm. don't want that much cruelty we want a little bit but we don't want a lot by the way as this is radio can I tell everybody listening that we're about to do a Paso Doble around the studio absolutely uh, Absolutely, and, and, and thank you. Wasn't I good? good yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a shame we haven't. Got, if, if only we had the cameras in here, I mean, we, we, we should have I'd thought be on of Strictly that. next week. So would you? The BBC announced that they've got a new talent show based around gymnastics. Any idea what they've called it? I can't oh, I, d- I do know this. But go I can't on, go on. Dread it from the back of your mind. Three, two, one. Let's get ready to tumble. Good. Well, remi- do you I know, I thought that was something to do with the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those boxing matches, because don't you know that bloke who always announces the fighters are, and he's like, let's get ready to rumble! Yay. And I think they judge them by how long they can say rumble. I bet they will start the show with that. Maybe with your great uh, performance, you could, um, you could be hired. God, I work cheap. I mean, <laughs> if you'd like to pass the word on. Uh, and on that note, time for the Media Monkey Quiz. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm not feeling dreaded. very well. Do we have to do this? Uh, oh, we, uh, we will be gentle as... Uh, 
well, as we ever are. Uh, three questions, here we go. Uh, what Saturday night shows will not be returning for a second series? I Love My Country. Okay, And the puppet more. game show. Wow, you're too good for us. That's mm. quite right. Uh, number two, how did Kirsty Walk celebrate Halloween on Newsnight? A, uh, a brilliant Michael. thriller performance. Did you think it was good? I, I, I really like the fact that uh, Ian Katz is putting in some quirky things at the end of his You show. don't have to be nice about Ian Katz. He doesn't work here anymore. No, but I, do, I know him well, though, and you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> if they, if I the, do think they've got a problem with Newsnight in that if you go too far down the road of fun and games, it, it won't work. It's got to have that But la- last two minutes. It's the last two minutes of the show. Oh, I, I, no. I, I sort of miss the newspapers, but actually, at least they're, they're having a bit of a lie. They have been breaking stories as well, and yeah, I think I if lo- you've got hard stuff like. at the top, and then you could have some silliness at the end. And I wonder, i just like to hear the conversations he's having with those presenters when he says, this is what I'd like you to do. Uh, Paxo, I'd like you to get the mo- the, that broom and sweep up. Yeah. And well, but we it, did but, have Angela written dancing, didn't we? But it also ago. does show that, that you wouldn't expect Paxo to be up for it. But actually, he is. I mean, that's 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 he maybe that that's the kind of interesting surprise. It's a TV man. Zombie dance. He did some kind of like brushing of the floor. They oh, did a sorry, kind of a, a plus one gag earlier in the week. Okay, one more quick one. Who celebrated twenty five years at Sky News last hey, Friday? Was it? Yes, it was Kay Burley. It was uh, 25 years. She signed a new five-year contract. Sorry, I'd I'd just like to say that I think Kay Burley is great and the fact that she's still there and still doing it and still looking great, I think that's wonderful. With people still chanting in the background, sack Kay Burley, watch the BBC. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the scores here are two all. You've both done very well. You're much more clued up than we thought we would be, especially you, Liz, because you're not feeling so well. Um, So actually, actually, I'm going to designate you the winner because you were were operating... with a kind of handicap. So, oh, uh, that's really sweet really of well. you, and because of my dancing ability and my frock. Yes, they can't see the my frock. frock, can uh, they? frock. But the next time you come, we will have those cameras. But now, my thanks to Matt and to Liz. Okay, to the telly, and Sam Wollaston joins me now to go through his week. Uh, has it been a good week, Sam? You know, I think it's good in some ways, yeah. Um, Fresh Meat started this week, um, third series of the university-based comedy with Jack Whitehall as a sort of a posh uh, young student chasing hot totty around the campus in a house full of uh, other students. Was that a phenomenon you recognised yourself? Yeah, going back, thinking back to my own students' days, it was more about watching blockbusters and <laughs> it wasn't as much fun as Fresh Meat. I think, you know, there's a sort of element of recognition, but I think they have more fun on TV than it. Than, I think it was more like yours, Hugh, your, your uni, uni dates. I, I never went. You never went to uni? I never went. The cue, the violin music, oh, no, we're too poor for that sort of thing. You never went to university? I did an old-fashioned apprenticeship. Didn't bother with it. I didn't finish university, but... <laughs> oh, well, at least you, at least you made the effort. Uh, I got. I started, at least, yeah. You but, see, we went, and you thought, this is nothing like Fresh Meat would have been, so I'm just out of here. I'm out of here, even though Fresh Meat hadn't started for about 40 but years. You but you knew the sort of thing that it could... You knew what could be happening, and you just weren't getting that out of your university education. There must be very few people in this building that, who don't have degrees apart from you and me. It's just a small club, yeah. So, it's in its third series. Is it? Is it enduring? It's enduring. It, it shouldn't be, really because there's no story to it you can watch each individual episode as an episode you don't have to know why, 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 what's going on it lasts an hour and you'd think that would be too long for what is essentially a, a sitcom but because it's so well done it's so well there's such good jokes that it's so well acted it somehow manages to be absolutely hilarious and the choir i mean last week you were talking with john about the guardian's own choir the guardian angels 
Um, how does the second series of the choir fare? Yeah, um, it's this is the corporate one. So you have so you know the Guardian Angels could have been in it. Sadly, they weren't picked. So uh, we had there, there are various uh, other companies like Sainsbury's. I think there's a, a Citibank are doing it. There's a fire brigade involved, and it started off with um, P&O ferries. So um, Gareth Malone, sporting a new ginger beard, was uh, plying backwards and forwards between Dover and Calais, listening to people sing. Most of the reactions seem to be about his beard, actually. I was looking on, on Twitter, which is fairly ginger. Beards are a real matter of public interest at the moment, aren't they? Beards are. I think that beards are, especially ginger ones, apparently. If you don't have ginger hair and your beard grows ginger, then it becomes a huge talking it's what point. what stocks are for, isn't it? what the stocks are for it should be that's gingest <laughs> well maybe maybe so <laughs> but are you enjoying the, the choir uh, yeah it's it's slightly cynical i mean you know exactly what it's doing it's it's there's a sort of formula to it he goes in they sing really ropily uh he he, t- he takes them he's inspiring and wonderful and slightly irritating as well and in the end they sing beautifully and you can't help being slightly moved by it it's sort of um x factor for guardian readers it's posh posh a posh talent show and it's i Try not to like it, but end up being, you know, moved by it. Well, earlier we were talking about this thing, that this gymnastic thing the BBC is going to do called "Let's Get Ready to Tumble." I mean, you just wonder what next. What, what next? What next will be thrust into the competitive arena? Gymnastics, yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, journalism, perhaps. How would we do that? Well, it's competitive enough as it is, isn't it? I think you just walk in and have a go. It's, 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 that's what we did, isn't it? <laughs> well, look, we, ha- we, we don't have much time, but I need to... Uh, I have a bone to pick with you. Um, I, we, we read the other day your review of uh, uh, the, the new David Tennant series. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it was the second uh, episode on last night. Was, yeah, the, I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen it. I, I've, I've recorded it. I haven't seen it, so don't tell me what happened. But, but, but you were very nice about the first one, and, yeah. and, and it was pants. Why? Because nothing added up, and all the legal stuff was all over the place. The legal stuff, I think, was 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 hugely. Uh, anyone who knows anything about what actually goes <laughs> on in a courtroom had some serious issues there. Not just a, a, about kind of protocol and things like that, but also like you know they would never do that kind of thing. Um, but it's a thriller, you know. You have to you you give it a bit of leeway, and and as a story, it was a great story. I thought and it was very well acted and tense and. Uh, bloody scary how do you pitch that sort of thing then because uh, you do want some level of realism and you know the idea that 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 guy would be free to go and commit more atrocities uh, is is fairly um fairly risible but uh, when you look at that then can you just say well this is hokum but it's actually very good hokum there was sort of three two or three things like that the fact that he was still uh, loose and the fact that uh, the rival of david tennant was uh, uh, representing his wife's killer that you just have to kind of say that's ridiculous i think probably if you do know anything about the law you would have had a serious problems with it but just go with it i have to say that having watched the first episode with me and mrs muir having howled with laughter throughout the first one but all the things that weren't right we then watched the second one as well so maybe there is a a, a trick to it are you how are you feeling about baths i I found uh, baths a lot more scary after watching the first one well yes i'm not asking you to tell me about you and mrs muir (laughs) and your bathing habits well that that certainly would be scary but uh, (laughs) we have no time to go into that i'm afraid because we've run right out of time my thanks to sam wollaston liz and Matt Deegan. My name is Hugh Muir, the producer of this fine podcast was Matt Hill, and thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag-and-drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. 
every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.